invite you to take out your Bible and go to Mark chapter 3. All right, Mark chapter 3. And, and again, I've shared this before, um, but, but, but the more that I just uh, take books of the Bible and preach through them, the more convinced that I am that, that God moves powerfully through his word and, and he works through his word. And so you'll remember when, when all this started, uh, the last Sunday that we were in here together, which was March 15th, uh, the passage that we happened to be in, in in the Gospel of Mark just happened to deal with Christ's uh, authority over diseases and, and demons. Um, and then we've, we've seen throughout the, the last two months, even though we couldn't gather together, we, we've seen uh, Christ's authority. We've continued to see the way that he, he has authority over all kinds of stuff. Well, this morning... Just so happens that this first Sunday that we are able to be back together in this room, we're dealing with what it means to be a part of the family of God as we come and gather together as a family again. And look, we, we know this is unusual, right? And it, it feels weird. I mean, we have, we have red tape blocking off pews and, and a lot of people are in masks and we're having to sit kind of socially distant, like, but but couple of things. Like, for one, this is maybe the first time that I've ever been really, really glad that we have just this enormous sanctuary, right? Like, most of the time, it's like, man, what do we do with all this space? And suddenly, it's like, we've got space. So when she, when when our governor opened it up to 25%, I went, oh, we're set. Like, we got, we got the room. We we got balcony. We got space. We, we're, we're, we're okay. And yet, you know, having to gather with masks and, and, you know, being, being socially distant, like, this is not ideal, it's not normal, and yet we are able to be back together. We're, we're able to, to gather as the body of Christ, and, and we know that for, for the next several weeks, there are going to be some folks that stay away for, because of health concerns, and we understand that, but uh, I, same thing that, that I've been saying from the beginning is we need to remember this is temporary. There will come a day where we're back together. We don't know how long it's going to last. There will come a day where you're able to gather without pews blocked off, without masks, and, and we will be able to worship God in, in full assurance and without any kind of fear. This, 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 is, this is temporary. But in the meantime, we want to be reminded of what it means to be a part of the, the family of God. And so um, and as, I, as we looked at throughout chapter 2 into chapter 3, we, we saw really five conflicts that Jesus had with the religious rulers. They he dealt with the healing of a, of a paralytic and, and forgiving the sin. And, and, then say, and then the question arose, can, who can forgive sin but God alone? And to which Jesus, his, his response to that was really, well, exactly. That, that's, that's, what he was, that's the question he was trying to force. We saw the calling of, of Matthew or, or Levi, the same guy, the, the tax collector, and the, the accusation to Jesus, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. How dare he, who is a religious leader, associate with those people. Then we saw a question of, well, why don't you fast? And Jesus talked about the joy that it is to be with him in, in his, uh, for, for his disciples to be with him. And it's not, that was not a time of um, mourning, but a time of rejoicing. Questions about the Sabbath. And, and all of those questions really dealt with not, not, what the Old Testament actually taught, but with the regulations of man that they had put on the Old Testament. In other words, the question that Jesus constantly got was, why aren't you following our rules? Why, why do you keep breaking these traditions? 
And then we came in last week and we saw that even um, Jesus' own family came in and, and began to oppose him, saying, in fact, they said they thought that he was out of his mind. We dealt some with the unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is ultimately rejecting Jesus as the one that uh, God sent from heaven to be our Savior. And today, we're going to have this question of who is a part of the family of God? What, what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? All right, and so if you have your Bible, turn with me to, to Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35, and let's stand together as we read the word the Lord has given to us. The word of the Lord says this, His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather together and to open up your word. Pray that you will open our hearts and our minds this morning to see what it means to be a part of the family of God. To see those things that bind us together. We pray that you will speak powerfully through your word this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. You can have a seat. All right, so here's our big idea. I'm going to kind of give you, give you the, the thing, the 30,000-foot view, and then we'll zoom in on this. But our big idea this morning is this. The family of God is made up of those who have trusted in Christ as Savior from every nation, tribe, and tongue. All right, the family of God is made up of those who have trusted in Christ as Savior from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Okay? So when we, we look here at, at Mark chapter 3 then, uh, we, we know that Jesus' family previously came to him to stop him from teaching, or at least to, to calm him down a little bit, right? In fact, we're, we're told in verse 21, he's out of his mind is what they said. So, so maybe it was really, a, uh, hey, Jesus, you know, it's great that you're teaching and, and we know that you're healing and all that, but you are really, uh, you're really ruffling some feathers and can't you just tone it down a little bit? Because not only was, was he causing issues for himself, but, but in, in a culture that valued family, that where honor was such a big deal, he was causing issues for his family as well. Can't, this is all well and good, but can't, do you have to be so abrasive? Can't you just calm down a little bit. And now they come to him again in, in verse 31 while he's teaching, presumably to do the same thing, right? Look, if we can just talk to Jesus, you know, we could talk some sins into him, you know, mom, mom could give him one of those lectures and, and you know, that would, that, would, that would do it, right? That's, that's all he needs. And we need to keep in mind that, that John 7, 5 says that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. So here Jesus is surrounded by his disciples while his family is trying to stop him from carrying out the mission as the Messiah, whether they realize they're doing that or not. I don't, I don't think their goal was to try to stop Jesus from teaching. Again, I, I really think their goal is to try to just calm him down a little bit so that he's not creating quite 
the, quite the scene. But the first thing we see here is, is that the family of God is not a matter of birth. Okay, family of God is not a matter of birth. Look with me again at verses 31 through 33. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Right? So Jesus is teaching again, probably at Simon Peter's uh, house or his mother-in-law's house, which, which kind of serves as Jesus' home base throughout the course of his ministry. And he's surrounded by a crowd, and again, his mother and his brothers come to him. Word starts to make its way through the crowd that they're outside. So, so they tell Jesus, Jesus, your, your family's outside, and they're asking for you. Now, we might expect Jesus to stop what he's doing and, d- doing and immediately go see them, right? I mean, that would, that would make sense. But instead, he asks this really strange question. Who are my mother and my brothers? Again, I kind of picture this, this scene as everybody sitting there and and, and looking around going, maybe he really is out of his mind. What do you mean, who are my mother and my brothers? Like, that, you, you know your family, right? It would have been confusing to his listeners. They would have been trying to figure out what on earth he meant. But what's happening here, as happens so often throughout the Gospels, Jesus is speaking in spiritual terms while everyone else is still thinking on, on physical terms levels. Okay? At that moment, his primary concern was for his spiritual family. And at that time, most of his family was not yet a part of his spiritual family. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced coming into uh, the family of God, being a follower of Christ, and, and your physical family not being a part of your spiritual family. This is important for us because our physical family does not determine our standing in the family of God. We don't come into the family of God because of who our family is. It doesn't matter if grandpa was a Baptist preacher or if, or if my uncle was a, was a Baptist deacon or if my, my parents taught Sunday school. That, that makes that no bearing whatsoever on how we come into the family of God. Now, the other side is also true. So it doesn't matter what, what baggage our, our physical family carries. That does not prevent us from coming into the family of God. I think we often talk about it in terms of, of the negative, right? Well, it doesn't matter who your, who your grandpa was, that he was a, that he was a deacon, that, that they drug you to church every Sunday morning. That doesn't make you automatically a part of the family of God. But the opposite is also true. It doesn't matter what your family did. That doesn't preclude you from coming into the family of God. What matters is how you answer the question that we looked at last week. Who is this man, Jesus? We see something about this in, in, when we look at marriage, right? When a husband and wife come, come together, they have a new family. That, the old family doesn't cease to matter, but it changes. That, that relationship changes. Now, in most cases, when someone comes to be a a follower of Christ, 
He or she won't lose their physical family. But so often that relationship changes. In some cases, as we, as we looked at last week, we, we, we do know where um, physical families have ceased, to, uh, have ceased to be a part of their lives because they come to faith in Christ. Whether because they're disowned, maybe, maybe they're just kind of shunned because suddenly they're, the, the follower of Christ is living a new lifestyle that the, the old family does not understand. As I said last week, there are some uh, cultures Some uh, sects of Judaism where they will actually hold a funeral for someone who comes to faith in Christ. In some areas of Islam, there will actually be um, family members that that might seek to kill someone who's converted to Christ in in a mercy killing. Certainly those are extreme examples and those those aren't the norm for us, but I've known many people, when they come to faith in Christ, that that causes a, a, a fracture within their physical family. Because values change. And here we have even the family of Jesus trying to, trying to just slow him down a little bit. Trying to, try to stop him from causing quite so much commotion. And Jesus looks around at his disciples and asks this question, Who are my mother and my brothers? And he goes on to answer that by, by saying the, the family of God is not a matter of birth, but it is, the family of God is a matter of faith. We see this in verses 34 and 35. It says, looking at those sitting in a circle around him, so this would have certainly been the 12, maybe even more of the, the other disciples who followed Jesus. Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Again, this is shocking, right? Is is Jesus disowning his family? Well, not at all. And in fact, um, even on the cross, even as he's dying, we see Jesus making provision for his mother. And that is that he looks at at John, the, the, or as he's described in the Gospel of John, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he says, woman, here's your son. Son, here's your mother. In other words, he, he's charging John with taking care of his mother after the resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Again, he, Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level. So as followers of Christ, not only are we made a new creation but we get a new family. Well, who's a part of this family? Well, Jesus says that here too. Everyone who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Everyone who does the will of God. Okay, so that might cause us to ask the question, well then, what is the will of God. If, if, if everyone who does the will of God is my mother and sister and brother, then who is that? What does that mean? We could point to several passages throughout the New Testament that tell us what God's will is, but here in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 8, we, we see this. For this is God's will, your sanctification. 
So, so God's, God's will is that we would be made into the image of Christ. And then he goes on to explain that a little bit, flesh that out. That you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means we must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God, God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, here, obviously, Paul's addressing some uh, physical sin that was taking place within the body, but, but, but his point, ultimately, is that God's will for us is sanctification, that we would live in holiness. See, we talk a lot about what it means to, to be in God's will, right? I, I want to I follow God's will, normally meaning uh, most of the time when we, when we hear that phrase uttered, it means something along the lines, well, I want to know uh, what job I'm supposed to have, and if you're in high school or college, who I'm supposed to marry, right? Those are God's will. I, I need to know those two things. What am I supposed to do, and who am I supposed to do it with? Who's supposed to come alongside me? I, said, man, I remember when, when I was in college, those questions were being asked all the time, right? What, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Here's God's will for our life, that we would be holy. That's it. Now, from there, we could say God's given us certain passions, certain talents, certain abilities. And from there, we can, we can figure out how we use those to the glory of God. But I think we focus as a, as a Christian culture so much on what is God's will for my life that we've missed the, the overall point. His, his will for us is to be holy, that we would be like Jesus in whatever we do and whoever we're with and however we go about our lives that we would do so in holiness. Now again, Certainly there are, you know, there are certain things that, that each of us are not called to. Michelle will be the first to tell you, I have no business being in any kind of construction whatsoever, okay? I don't have the skill set, and even now she's like, uh-uh, nope, 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 right? Like, like that's just not a, a gift or a talent that the Lord has given to me. So if I declared, if I came in one day and said, uh, Michelle, I've determined it's God's will for me to open up a construction business, like, she's probably going to smack me, all right, and, and try, to, try to, like, wake me up, all right? Because through, through that, we can figure out how God's wired us through passions and abilities and talents. But, but to say it's, it's God's will that I do this thing, no, no, I don't think so. God's will is that I would be holy and that I would follow him, and that I would be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And whoever does that, whoever is committed to those things as a follower of Christ, so who has repented of sin, has trusted in Christ Jesus, and is being made holy, that person is a part of the family of God. And so, so here's the truth for us, right? If you're in Christ, you have a family. And, and here's another reality. You have, you have more in common with a follower of Christ on the other side of the world 
who lives in a completely different culture, who speaks a completely different language than you do with a physical brother or sister who does not know Christ. That's a spiritual reality for us. We have, we have more in common with believers whom we've never met than our own physical family who don't know Christ Jesus. You know, we, we're walking through some days right now that are, that are certainly, the, the word unprecedented has been thrown around a lot, and I think, you know, everything's unprecedented. I mean, there are commercials, and these unprecedented times. But, but that, that word's conveying, even though it's being way overused, I think, it's, it's conveying something. We, we have not faced this in our lifetime. This is brand new for everybody. And one of the things that's, that's really bugged me is to see Christians just going after one another, right? Well, our church has decided to open. How dare you? You just want people to die. Well, our church has decided to stay closed a little bit. Don't you love Jesus and his word, right? Like, um, in fact, there's, there, maybe you've seen the picture. There's a picture floating around Facebook with kind of like little bubbles of different things that people have said, and in the middle is the pastor. And it just says, like, this is what pastors are dealing with right now, is hearing all of these, right? We're, our, our church building can't ever open again because it's going to be too dangerous, and I don't know why you ever closed in the first place, right? And, and, and we just have, like, churches and, and believers that are just tearing each other up over this. Let's not do that. Look, the simple fact is none of us knew how to navigate this. All of us were seeking wisdom in, in how, to, how to deal with um, regular life at home, work life, what it meant for churches. We tried to walk in, in humility and wisdom as we do it. But, but listen, when, when you come across someone in, who, who's a follower of Christ, who's maybe doing things a little bit differently than, than we would, now, now, if they're doing something that's like completely um, contradicting the word of God, then, then there's a conversation that can be had there. But if they are, are taking some details, so in other words, they would say, listen, we believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe we're saved by grace through faith. We, we, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If, if we agree on those things, can, can, can we disagree on some details and still recognize that we're a part of the family of God? Yes, I think so. I, th I think we can. Let's not tear each other up over, um, over minutia. And, and let's not tear each other up over this cultural moment that, that as I said, is, is so outside of anything any of us were prepared for when it, when it hit. There's an old... So there's an old uh, song by Bill Gaither. In fact, in, in the church that I grew up in, I remember singing this. We had one music minister. I think we sang this every single Sunday. The family of God, right? Maybe, maybe you'll remember these words. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. And I just, I love the joy that's conveyed in that song. The privilege that we have to not, not only gain eternal life, but to gain a family as well. And then especially on this Sunday, man, just the way this worked out, where, where on this Sunday we are discovering and celebrating what it means to be a part of the family of God. We're able to actually gather together again.
So let's recap our big idea real quick. The family of God is made up of those who have trusted in Christ as Savior from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You're not born into it. Doesn't matter who your mom or daddy or grandpa was. We come into it by trusting in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior through faith. That's the, that's the kicker. Maybe you're here this morning or, or you're watching online and you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, we would say you're not yet a part of the family of God. I'd love to share with you how you can come to know Christ Jesus this morning and simply by praying this. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. And I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. Maybe you're, you're watching us online and you've never trusted in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. You have some questions about that. There's a, there's a number that will pop up on the screen. You can, uh, you can call that number. You can text that number. And we'll get back in touch with you this week. Maybe you're here and you've got some questions about that. Obviously, we're not, we don't have guest cards available, so, so if you have more questions, that's the number to get in touch. And uh, so You can send a text message to that. I'd love to visit with you this week about how you can come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray and thank God for the blessing of being a part of the family of God. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to gather to, to celebrate being a part of the family of God this morning. May we not take that for granted. May we realize the privilege that it is to know you, to have fellowship with you, to have eternal life because of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf and also to be a part of the family of God. Will you solidify us as a family through these times? Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for us in sending Christ Jesus to be the Savior and to pay the penalty for our sins. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.